With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to our first live edition of the Turn on the Jets podcast at Willie McBride's in Hoboken, New Jersey on 6th and Grand. Got a nice little crowd here of uh, Jets and Giant fans. Very much appreciate everybody coming out. Uh, And I'm joined by Connor Rogers, Greg Armstrong, and Clayton Smarslock, all from our website. Also, thank these guys for coming out tonight. And uh, we're going to talk about first half Jets and Giants, uh, which I think was a positive first half because the only thing I was focused on was Sam Darnold playing very well, staying healthy. Only thing I'm unhappy about so far is the Jets special teams. Connor, what were your main takeaways out of that first half, positive and negative? Well, I think when you start with the positive, you look at Darnold and it's a guy that we're worried about the turnovers, worried about him being poised, and none of that's been a problem so far. I think it's nice to see him knowing when to go down to the check down, when to take a chance, using the tight ends a lot, a couple of drops in the first half. It's disappointing to see Robbie Anderson still make mental mistakes with all the talent he has, but I think you saw everything you wanted from Darnold, and this is your starting quarterback from week one on Monday Night Football. It's it's very simple here. I mean, when you look at the situation, Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to be moved before the season starts. Now, the ironic thing is all the things you weren't too concerned about were glaringly a problem. Special teams, again, this is a team that can't cover a punt. It's absolutely insane. It seems like a very simple NFL thing, but they can't seem to do it. I thought the secondary was a little up and down. Eli made a couple nice throws, specifically over Buster Screen on a play. But Tremaine Johnson looked really good. Avery Williamson looks like a really good signing, a guy that knows when to go for the turnover. And some that's something they haven't had from their linebacker in a long time so a lot of positives some sloppy negatives that I put on coaching overall though it's hard not to feel good after one half of New York Jets week three preseason football and I think a key thing is that if you look at the box score Darnold's completion percentage stat line is not going to pop off the page but you're dealing with three or four drops I think four that we counted one from Chris Herndon two from one from ends. Clive Walford yeah. uh, one from Robbie Anderson so those numbers are going to be a little deceiving very disappointing, like you mentioned on the special teams. An area that's just consistently been a problem since Mike Westhoff left. Trenton Cannon, another fumble. Poor coverage on the punt team. So disappointing from there. So those are our takeaways. The main thing we want to do now is take some questions. So, Greg, I think we got some questions from the Instagram. So why don't you read out some of the things we got, and we'll pass it around, and we'll work through them. All right. First question. Very simple one. Why are the Jets special teams always so bad? It, you know what? It's a fair question, and it should not be this complicated to answer. I think it's a depth thing. If you don't have good depth on your roster, and you have a new coach every 12 to 14 months, which they've had the past few years, that's going to show. And the Jets have not had good depth because they have not drafted well, and that is paying off now in a negative way. And we're seeing that 
year after year after year. I mean, am I missing anything here, Connor? Well, I think what's interesting to me is maybe it shows how much of an impact the loss of Rontez Miles has had. This is a guy who's been the only – when you look at the Jets' special teams, who's notable to you? The only guy ever over the last two years has been Rontez Miles. And I think Terrence Brooks is a really, really nice depth safety option. I think Brandon Bryan can turn into that. But it doesn't mean those guys are special teams players. It's a totally different role. I think when you look at Brant Boyer, there's got to be some question marks here. I actually thought he's one of those coaching, uh, coaching guys that should have been let go after being really an underwhelming hire recently in the Todd Bowles era. He survives, and guess what? Things have not gotten better. They've gotten worse. I think the only thing I knew about Brant Boyer before he was hired was he was responsible for that ridiculous Colts fake punt that was on, like, primetime. <laughs> yeah, the camouflage in the end zone. The only, yeah, there's nothing worse than T.J. Graham on that area. All right, Craig, next question, and we're going to let you and Clayton lead on the answer on it. All right, next question. What would you be willing to give up in a trade to acquire a league average pass rusher? Clayton, I'll let you take this one first. We're talking about league average. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Dante Fowler. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. And we talked about it with everyone on Turn on the Jets. And me personally, I would give up maybe a conditional fifth based on uh, – I don't know, stats, playing time, all that stuff, uh, maybe turns into a third at the best. I mean, yeah, pass rushing is a big need for the Jets, but, I mean, who's really out there other than Dante Fowler and Julio Mack? Yeah, it seems like it's a it's a huge discrepancy between, like, I, I think this question is more tailored towards trading for Fowler, and it seems like it's Fowler or Mack, which is a very big opposite end of the spectrum kind of thing. For Fowler, I would give up, like Clayton said, probably no more than something that would turn into a third. Um, I think he's really talented. I think he's got a, a lot of athleticism, and I think he offers more than just a pass rushing. I know he's really good at contain. But it's all a matter of like how you use Fowler. And do I have confidence that this Jets coaching staff can use him correctly? As of now, no. So I would be willing, not willing to give up a ton, but just enough to get a guy who has been in battle in, in Jacksonville, has had some team issues, but has shown in, in Florida and even a little bit in Jacksonville, albeit with a, a stellar defensive line, that he can be someone. I mean, let's just go through the Jets' outside linebackers and pass rushers very quick right now. <laughs> we have, we have Jordan Jenkins, who has, I believe, five-and-a-half career sacks. You have Josh Martin, a special teamer. Dylan Donahue, second-year player, probably a special teamer. Lorenzo Malden, probably going to be cut based on his tweets. Uh, who yeah. here at this table has been blocked by Lorenzo Malden? I have been blocked by Lorenzo Malden. Connor? I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> is, Clayton, is Clayton, are you blocked by Lorenzo? I, I, did again. I am not blocked by Lorenzo. I, I am blocked by Lorenzo. <laughs> uh, David Bass, another random guy who was a Jets pass rusher. There's just not a lot there. So I think they need to stay aggressive on this market. But the thing is, there's a lot of options. People don't right. give up pass rushers. It's one of the hardest things to acquire in football besides a quarterback. All right, great. Next question from Instagram. Yep. Um, is it just the preseason vanilla D, or should we be ready for the secondary to disappoint all year? So my take on this is that while I'm excited about this secondary, I'm a little, I think they're a little overrated. And my concerns are that Marcus May has missed the entire preseason up until tonight, coming back from an injury. I worry about Buster Screen, who's inconsistent in the slot. And if either Screen or Claiborne get knocked up, who is not knocked up? 
They are not knocked around, not knocked up. You're dealing with somebody like Derek Jones or Daryl Roberts playing a major amount of reps. And I, I like the way Derek Jones played, but he has no experience. So I don't know. I think the secondary is probably more middle of the road rather than top three or top five, like a lot of Jet fans said they were initially. Connor, what are your thoughts? I mean, the bottom line is in the NFL, your secondary is often as good as your front seven is. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles last year. There's a lot of NFL fans that can't name us a player in the Eagles secondary more so than Mal other than Malcolm Jenkins. And you look at how good that front seven is, it reflected on the secondary. So the Jets are a team, we just talked about this in length, they can't get after the quarterback. And when you can't get after the quarterback, you can't create turnovers. So it's a problem for them. I think Tremaine Johnson is going to be a really nice upgrade. I think Mo Claiborne is solid when healthy. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if no one's getting pressure. Eventually, you're going to get beat over time, and that's going to be the problem all year long. Let me ask you this, Greg and Clayton, before we go to the crowd. We will take <laughs> questions from the crowd in one second. It's a rowdy yeah, crowd. Yeah. A lot of angry Giant fans. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the weak link is in this secondary, if you had to point one out? Between the two of you, Greg and Clayton, if you had to point out one thing that you think is going to be a problem for them this year, what is it going to be? Clayton, you want to take this one first? It's going to be in the nickel because say, like we haven't seen anything that can prove that Morris Claiborne is going to be healthy for all 16 games. And does that mean Buster Screen moves outside once again? I mean, if they're going to do that again, we haven't seen Perry Nickerson at all this preseason. And for for as much hype as he got in the draft and when the Jets drafted him, we still haven't seen anything from him. So I would say the nickel the nickel corner is my biggest concern because Claiborne goes down. We, a, we don't know who's going to play outside, who on this team has proven that they can be a consistent outside corner, and B, who's proven that they can slide in and be that nickel corner for the team. So I would, I would take the nickel corner as my biggest concern on the second one. Yeah, I mean, I've been frustrated not to see any Perry Nickerson this summer. He was a guy who I think got off to a good start in camp, a pick I was personally excited about because I'm always looking for Buster Screen's replacement, and I know he's going to be here at least for the rest of this year, but it's been disappointing not to see him out there. And when you're a rookie and you miss the entire preseason, that's a big deal, and it's a hard thing to come back from. And we've seen that with D. Milner, Ardarius Stewart, guys like that, the two Alabama guys there. But I still worry about Nickerson being able to catch up is there any chance he makes an impact this year, Connor, or is he too far behind now? Well, I think he's a guy, when you look at college, he made plays on the ball nonstop, and he was a very, very good cover corner. But can he stay healthy? That's the biggest question with him. So I think he can make an impact this year. He might not have a choice. I mean, with the way injuries happen in the NFL in the secondary, especially an undersized player like Screen or injury-prone player like Claiborne, guy might be on the field halfway through the season. So it'll be really interesting to watch. I think people don't realize how poor the Jets roster was a couple years ago and it's still showing now because you have some front end players I love Tremaine Johnson I, I, like I said Avery Williamson's a great signing there's talent on the defensive line but in the NFL you're one injury away from having that problem and I think the Jets are still working on that right now alright I think we got a couple questions from the crowd so we're going to bring a couple looks like somewhat unintelligent Giant fans to come up and ask a question so speak 
about this distance from the mic and ask your question. Say your name and where you're from as well. <laughs> Hi, Joe. I'm Ed from New York City. Long-time listener, big fan, friend of the pod. My question, you're having a baby next month. Early congratulations. I also know that your wife is a huge Patriots fan. How do you plan to raise the little one? Thanks. That was a question from my moron friend who works for the NFL, in case anyone was curious. Uh, our son will be raised a Jets fan because these things come in peaks and valleys. There's no way the Patriots are going to consistently be this good the next 15 to 20 years. If I timed it up to make him a Patriots fan, they're obviously going to be terrible again like they were the 20 years before all this stuff happened with Brady and Belichick. So our son will have a choice in many things, not a choice on what fan that he roots, <laughs> what fan he will be. So that, that is my answer. Is anyone else going to raise their son a different way? No, there's no chance. But I, the, the things that I've gone through as a Jet fan, being, on, being, being video on CBS week 17 in Buffalo and being just etched in history is <laughs> awful. Like, I can't let my son, like, live to be a fan of a team that, like, just grows up in perpetual happiness. Like, he has to go through the same things I have gone through my entire life. You gotta suffer. I can't do it. We gotta have some suffering. All right, the game's about to start, but we're gonna keep going. James, quick question. Here. Right. You guys blew your opportunity. You guys blew your opportunity here. So follow uh, You got James Corbett here uh, from uh, New York. Uh, long time listener, first time uh, on the pod. I actually used to work for Turn of the Jets in the early days. This is probably this is an OG TOJ. Couple things, couple couple questions. I'll tee them up. One, any new merch coming out this season? What's it going to be like? What what are, what are we going to see out there? The other question is another baby follow up question. Are you going to let your kid play football when he grows up? <laughs> that's a good question. That's a that's heavy question. First, yes, we have plenty of merchandise. I'll be rolling out all year long. <laughs> Loyalist slash turn on the Jets. Please go buy the shirts. Keep the podcast afloat. We need it. I've already wrote an article about this. I would let my kid play football. I played football. You played football. A lot of people here tonight played football, and they're all here. Uh, I understand the debate around it, but yes, my decision is that I would let my kid play football. I do think by the time he's six or seven that there will only be flag football for kids before they go to high school, which is my guess, and, and that's okay. But if he wants to play... He'll be allowed to play because I'd be hypocritical not to let him play. Because I played till I was 22 as a very slow, under underappreciated possession receiver. <laughs> Connor, what do you think? Would you let your kid play? I mean, yeah, if he wants to play football, I'd let him play. I mean, I'm not going to hold back. It's up to them, though, too. I'm not also going to be the dad that's like, guess what? You're playing football. Like, But like Joe said, I mean, listen, I'm 26. By the time I have a kid, I, I think they're not going to be tackling until eighth grade at the absolute earliest. So, it's one of those things. Like, I work with uh, Chris Sims at Bleacher Report, who has a kid who just started playing. And he was like, listen, I'm not going to force him to play. They're only playing flag. He enjoys it. And then when it comes down to it, you just have to have the right people teaching them, too. That's the most important thing. All right, so the third quarter got underway here. The Giants have brought out Davis Webb, which is the New York Giants' answer to Christian Hackenberg. Pac-12 Hackenberg. Pac-12 Hackenberg. I'm sure the Giants are not going to regret passing on a quarterback after watching Davis Webb and Kyle Lalletta, who they also drafted, yes, correct? Yes, he was way better than Davis Webb. I'm more interested to see him. So the Jets defense working on a potential three and out here. Not happening. <laughs> As they jinxed We them. cursed it. Again, again Buster screen, beat in the slot. Craig, you tell me this. How surprised were you when the Giants passed on a quarterback with the second overall pick in the draft? I mean, it was it was one of those things where I couldn't believe it until I actually saw it. Where you have 
you have this old Eli Manning where Giants fans just have this persona around him of rings, and they feel like he's their guy over the future. And you have a generational talent like Barkley, but you also have not only Darnold, but Rosen on the board as well. So you can have your pick up the litter at quarterback besides Mayfield. And for some strange reason, as we as it's been talked about on Twitter, they go dinosaur football and they take the running back at two. I, I'm fine with Barkley being the quote-unquote generational talent that he is. When you have Eli Manning at quarterback at that age... And Sam Darnold's on the board, who's, who was the consensus number one for many, many months. And you have the ability to take him and you don't. I was, like I said, I was, I couldn't believe it until I saw Goodell come up and say the Giants took Saquon Barkley. Because in my head, I, it's just something I would, I could not pass. Clayton, tell me this. Generational talent. Is Saquon even the best running back in his division right now? If he's generational... Is Ezekiel Elliott just as good, if not better, than him? And how good does Saquon have to be to validate being the second pick overall in the draft? Oh, yeah, that's a tough question. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so with Zeke, I mean, the, no, he's not better than Zeke right now. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And Zeke, he came into the league. He led the league in rushing. Last year, he was suspended all those games. But right when he came back, he had an instant impact for that offense. He's the reason. He was a big reason why they won nine games last year, even though he missed eight games. Um, so, and with Saquon, I think to validate being the number two pick. Oh man, that, <laughs> honestly, he's gonna have to hope that Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold are not very good. That's the only thing that can validate him being number two pick. I like how you only named two quarterbacks. <laughs> All right, we got another question for the crowd. As the Giants are out across midfield after a third down conversion against Buster Screen, nothing inappropriate on the P. This is a PG pod. If the Jets go two and fourteen and the Browns go six and ten, would you take Hugh Jackson as your coach over Todd Bowles? A lot of Hugh Jackson chatter in the crowd yeah, tonight. I personally, I like Hugh Jackson as a guy. I think he's a terrible head coach and I think it shows in hard knocks I, I don't know I feel like I watched that and I'm like Todd Haley should be the head coach and Todd Haley has plenty of flaws Hugh Jackson good motivator at times but I don't buy what he's selling I don't he seems insecure when he's lecturing Greg Williams and Todd Haley that is his show to run now Connor you're a little more plugged in league-wide what are your thoughts on Hugh Jackson and what you've seen on Hard Knocks? I mean, listen, Hard Knocks is obviously a reality football series, but this is this is exactly who Hugh is. I mean, when you look at it, it's a guy that clearly is having trouble, kind of like Todd Bowles has had in the past, of you know taking control of the franchise. And I think Bowles has a good discipline ethic, but it's a matter of you know being able to coach in game. Hugh Jackson, you don't lose, you don't go from one and fifteen and regress on accident. Okay, listen, you have to be especially kind of bad. So. I just don't think he's the guy. I think you see it even on hard knocks. He knows offense. He can scheme. That does not mean you're a head coach. There's a lot of guys that were coordinators that have flamed out quickly. I also think Todd Haley potentially filling in as the coach can be a disaster. But it's something that wouldn't shock me. I don't think he was guaranteed the entire season, especially if the Browns feel when it's time to move on from Tyrod Taylor, do they just fire Hugh and let Haley and Baker era begin? Is that... Tyrod or Tyrod, based on the last night, it's Tyrod. I'm calling him Tyrod. I'm sorry. All right, so your game update here. Your game update here. Jets forced a punt. 
A little third down pressure from Henry Anderson. Encouraging Davis to see. Still sucks. Davis Webb still not good at football. Jets are going to get the ball back, and they are bringing Darnold out for one more series. So we'll stay on for Darnold's, what I'm guessing is his last series. In my mind, get him out of the game. Yes. Get me to Detroit. That game was, what, 11 days away at this point? We're, like, here already. Yeah, and the crazy thing is with this Jet season is they got three games in 10 days this year. I mean, it's ridiculous. They go to Detroit, and then they play Miami at home, and then they're on Thursday night football against Cleveland. It's a scary schedule to start. I think you, you want to give them the reps to get ready, but there's a limit. Before we see Darnold go out there and start doing his thing again, very quickly, I'm going to pass the mic around. Where is Teddy Bridgewater week one of the 2018 season? I'm going to pass it to Greg, then Clayton, then me and Connor will wrap it up. I think, honestly, I think it's going to be some team that we just don't see on the radar. Fair point. I feel like the uh, majority of times we talk about NFL moves, and even as Jets fans, that we talk about a guy going to a specific place or a guy being a traded first point player. There's always a wild card team that comes out in the end that just wows the team with an offer. And I don't know who that team's gonna be. Maybe there's an injury in the next two weeks. I don't think it's the team I don't think it's Jacksonville. I don't think it's the team that's supported that team at this moment. But I I I'm a ninety-five percent certain he won't be on the roster. I think it's going to be for a team that we do not expect. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive he's not going to be on this roster week one. But I mean, it's hard. You can't predict injuries, so you can't really just say a random team, like say the Raiders or something like that. I mean, I'm at this moment, I can't say anyone but the Buccaneers. I mean, Winston's out for three weeks. You really want Fitz Magic taking over that team for three weeks. That word's not allowed in this podcast. We'll bleep that out. So, I mean, you can see the Jags. I mean, I know the Saints. It looks like it would be a fun fit. But, honestly, the Buccaneers are the first team that come to mind when I think Teddy Bridge on a week one. Honestly, if I had to predict right now, I would say either Denver or New Orleans. They both have kind of been kind of like the obvious candidates. But I think when push comes to shove, the Jets are going to want to move him for the draft pick, but also because they're not going to want any of the chatter. And we're going to make it very clear that Donald's the guy. As I'm saying, this is coming out under center with it looks like the first offense still in. I see your boy Ben Hartstock 2.0, Aaron Tomlinson out there. We got another pitch to poor Bilal Powell, who's 39 years old and playing in the second half of the preseason game. Connor. What do you think as it stands right now? Where is Bridgewater week one of this season? I mean, I'm with Clayton. I think the logical destination is the Bucks. I think more importantly, though, fans will be a little underwhelmed by their return. I can't see him fetching more than a fourth-round pick. And listen, he spent half a million dollars to see if he was healthy. He spent a million dollars to carry him throughout camp. Any Jets fan would hope the team would pay a million dollars for another, you know, any pick, but let alone a fourth rounder is pretty good return. I think what's interesting with the Bucks is that we keep seeing Mike Lombardi, who works for the Ringer, uh-huh. constantly talk about the Bucks. And Mike Lombardi's son is the Jets quarterback coach. So I always keep a closer eye on the things he says about the team. And I wonder if there's something there to that, and we'll see how that plays out. Now, we're probably going to see Teddy in a couple minutes here, but really, what's he going to get? Four or five drives with the Jets' second offense right. against the Giants' second defense. So whatever he puts on tape here will be measured, I don't know, with a grain of salt, even though he's been very good this preseason. So we got a third and two coming up for Darnold here. I don't want to do play-by-play. <laughs> I kind of want to call it out. Throw it the slow, outdated inside linebacker. Jets are three straight handoffs, which honestly, I'm okay with. 
get Darnold out of here? Don't, yeah. Do we think this is it for Sam Darnold? Is this his last drive? What do you think, Craig? If it's not, whoever is putting Sam back in needs to be fired because we've seen enough from Darnold in the first half. The, I mean, the, this, the, the first drive of the second half is usually just to get that quote-unquote coming out of the locker room feel. I feel like there's not really any plays drawn. I mean, I don't, obviously don't know, but I feel like there's no real scheme to coming out in the in the first drive out of the second half. So, yeah, take Darnold out, put Teddy in, and let's just see what happens. My son is kicking in the question. And the special teams, again. So we're going to wrap up here in the next minute or so. As we've been telling you since April, Sam Donald is going to start week one. It's happening. It's happening soon. Get excited. You should be happy. Uh, I'm going to pass it around for final words from everybody, and then I'll do my final sign-up to the crowd. So, Connor, any final words or thoughts on the Jets through these three preseason games? Let's throw out whatever happens Thursday against the Eagles because we know how that game is. But what are your overall thoughts on the Jets preseason? Yeah, the Hackenberg return bowl does not Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, baby. Uh, Friend of the pod, Christian Hackenberg. I think you were making a checklist in the preseason of what you were most concerned about or what you cared about most. It starts at the top with Sam Darnold, and he's passed every test along the way. Has he been an absolute rock star? No, but he's been very, very solid and very good. So when it comes down to it, I think Jets fans should feel good. It depends on what your expectations are. I'm with Joe. I see this as really a seven-win team this year, and that's okay because you're building on something now. You're not the seven-win team with Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh McCown starting out of the gate and then handing it to Bryce Petty. I I think it's going to be a good seven-win team, but they're still building. And uh, if you didn't make it to Willie McBride tonight, you should definitely be here for the next one we do against Jacksonville. Yes, passing it off now to Greg and then Clayton. Yeah, I mean, this season, for Sam, it's just about it's just about development. And this whole season is, it's not really based on wins and losses. I mean, if they go however many wins and losses, I'm fine with. I just want to see development in Darnold. I want to see the next step in Adams. I want to see that next step in May. I want to see the next step from the players who are not going to be here in just 2018, 2019, but who are going to be here in 2019, 2020, and beyond. And I think in the preseason for Darnold, I wasn't really looking more towards the stats. I was just looking to what you see on the film. And what you've seen him do in-game and on film is very encouraging for Jets fans. So it's time to get excited. We got, like you said, 11 days until the Jets play Detroit. And let's get it rolling. We finally have our franchise QB. Clayton? Yeah, I mean, you guys nailed it on the head. I mean, it's just it's Sam Darnold. That's, That's really it. I mean, he showed that he can take care of the offense. He's not going to—he's been pretty careful with the ball. He hasn't turned the the ball over once, and that was on a forced fourth down play. So, I mean, with him, I'm very happy that he didn't—he's holding the ball close to his chest. He's not fumbling the ball. He's not being careless with it. He's not making careless decisions with his uh, passing. I mean, so that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. I mean— yeah, you have some of these younger players like Adams, May, Leo, and so forth. But I mean, this is gonna be a, a there's gonna be a lot of changes next year with the amount of cap that we have. So there's gonna be a lot of new players to look forward to, whether it's free agency, draft. So I mean, right now I'm just looking at Sam Darnold when it comes down to it because we're not expecting more than seven, eight wins. Right. I think that's about right. I think someone just summed it up pretty well in a tweet they sent to me. We have a quarterback. The rest of the roster is still pretty subpar. So 
thinking this team's going to win six or seven, maybe eight games is not crazy, and that, that kind of feels about right. You forget they don't have much at pass rush. They don't have much even at inside linebacker outside of Avery Williamson. There are some holes around this roster, so excited about the quarterback, excited about the turnout here tonight at William McBride's. We're going to be back for the Jets-Jaguars game. Uh, it's been fun, our first live podcast, so we're going to wrap it up. As always, 6th and Grand, Hoboken, New Jersey. Come out, take advantage of the food and drink specials. Appreciate everybody listening. Subscribe, rate, review, turn on the Jets podcast, play like a Jet podcast, stick to the Jets podcast. Follow on Instagram, turn on the Jets underscore IG. This will be out right after the game. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff.